is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 420, recorded Thursday, February 28th, 2019. The final day of February 2019. It is. It absolutely is. And it's episode number 420. It snuck up on me. I didn't even... Uh, it, we live in Canada. I should have prepared better for the 420 <laughs> episode. I have no idea what you're talking about. Marijuana? 420? Come on. I'm just not on the internet. You know what you're uh, talking about. <laughs> I, I guess I do. Uh, but it doesn't really enter into my daily uh, thought process. But I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I should have. I, I hate. Last time I was high was a bad experience. But uh, yeah, I should have. If they come out with edibles in the next couple of years, I might try something. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not smoking anything. That's for sure. No, no, absolutely not. I, I'm not interested in that at all. But, you know. Lots of people are, and they should be allowed to, to partake if they want to. Well, uh, just a quick note to all the listeners. This is episode number 420, so have at it, <laughs> if that's your thing. If that's your thing, go for it. Yeah. Well, welcome to the program, everybody. We are here to do our feedback for the most recent episode of The Walking Dead, but I do have a couple of other things to get through before we do that, including, including, <laughs> yeah, including, include, including a news Inclusive item. Inclusive of, that also, yeah, whatever, something like that. I'm kind of tired tonight, so I don't know how this is going to go. I yeah. might just fumble all my words. Sure. And maybe fall asleep for a while. If I fall asleep, <laughs> wake me up, okay? Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little blue myself. You don't mind if I watch a movie while we do this, do you? <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, First off, everyone, the ratings. So if you recall, episode 10 of season nine had 4.54 million, and that was an all-time low for The Walking Dead. But the good news is that episode only had to be the all-time low for one week. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) that is good news in a tragic kind of way. I mean, for for Omega, it's good news. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. The good news... Is that uh, it didn't last very long that that was the all-time low. Right. Bounty is the new all-time low at 4.39 million. Okay. So we're not below four yet. No, we're not below four. We are not below four. Um, It's a funny situation, though, because despite that being the lowest all-time number for The Walking Dead, it was still the highest rated cable program of the night. So there's, there's a funny balance there where they're getting the number one for the night, Yet it's the lowest the show's ever been. I mean, I yeah, don't there's know. There's critical response and then there's popular response, right? Right. I, I don't know what's more important to them. Probably, uh, probably the, you know, winning the night is the most important yeah. thing to Eyeballs them. on ads is the most yeah. important thing. You can like the episode. You can not like the episode. That doesn't give you, it doesn't heat your swimming pool in the winter. <laughs> no, it sure doesn't. Uh, now, to, to be fair, there are like a third of the eyeballs on the ads that there used to be. But, um, you know, at least they're winning the evening. So if if people are looking to advertise on TV shows on Sunday nights, The Walking Dead, I guess, is still a pretty good option. So that's what you meant by winning the evening, is that uh, more eyeballs on this show than uh, other shows. Well, I just mean that it's the highest rated cable program for Sunday night, it was. Well, see, I thought you meant highest rated as in the best critical response. Like, people really like this episode out of all the other crap that's on TV. This is the best crap that 
we could have. No. Like, yeah. So I thought that maybe this was a critical response as opposed to a number of eyeballs on screen. No, sorry. I, I, I um, rating probably isn't the right word. It's just number of eyeballs, number of millions oh, okay. of viewers. So then my argument is invalid. Okay. Sorry about that. That's okay. No, it's just a misunderstanding on my part. All right. Well, that's where we are at the ratings. We'll keep following them as the season goes on and see if it goes down, continuing to set new records for the lowest of all time, or it goes up. And, uh, and hey, a record is a record. What everyone, are you going to do? Everyone will be happy if it goes up. Yeah. One news item before we get into the rest of the podcast here, and that is something that came out today that I thought we should probably touch on, talk about a little bit. It is that uh, AMC... Today, or or maybe it was yesterday, they had a quarterly earnings phone call. These big companies do that sort of thing to report you know, their financial situation to everybody. And COO Ed Carroll was asked about another Walking Dead spinoff show. His answer was to admit that it is in active development. Well. We get, we're having, we're, we have another show coming um, relatively soon, the full quote of his was, we're not at a stage where we'll be announcing its plans to premiere, but we have hired creative people and have pitched story outlines. We feel very good about the development of that series. We're not in a position to talk about partnerships in terms of other territories or ancillary windows, other than there's a healthy appetite for it. And we've had a number of conversations with a lot of players in the space. Oh, that seems... That's so jargony, but, you know, wading through that and unpacking it, it uh, basically means, yeah, it's in pre-production. Pretty much it's in pre-production. They've hired creative people and they're talking about storylines. So active development for yet another Walking Dead show. The other thing, the other part of that quote that I think is most interesting is he says, quote, there's a healthy appetite for it. Right. I don't know. I mean, I'll watch it. Um, Well, they're not talking about you. They're talking about them, right? He's, he doesn't care about you. doesn't care about the, the people watching the TV. This is to shareholders, right? He's talking about uh, a healthy appetite as in, uh, yeah, we think we can make some money for this. And we've talked to people and they all think that we could make some money from this. You think so? I mean, the, oh, yeah. they only make money if people watch the show. And yeah. I think he's saying that people who watch TV want this. They want to see another Walking Dead show and we're going to give it to them. I don't think he's talking directly about those people. I think he's talking directly about the people that are making monetary decisions and there's an appetite there for this kind of thing. So there's an appetite for people to make money off of a, a new yeah. TV show that they assume will be popular. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right that the way they make money is by getting eyeballs on the screen, but I don't think that that was his direct line of thinking. I think that was ancillary to what he was uh, mm-hmm. actually considering. Okay, yeah, you may be right about that. Uh, either way, though, we have another Walking Dead TV show in in uh, pre-production, Jason, and yeah. that's going to be number three with no end in sight. Better be a uh, buddy cop TV show. <laughs> I really do think so. I think that'd be awesome. Solving mysteries in the zombie apocalypse? I think that's perfect. Yeah. Oh, well, sure. I mean, solving mysteries and avoiding zombies. Why not? That's, uh, that's Scooby-Doo, isn't it? It kind of is, actually. That's pretty much Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo the Walking Dead. Let's get on it. So earlier today when I found out about this news, I posted the link on our Facebook page. And You know what's weird? What's weird? I saw that. I was on Facebook earlier today. First time in months. And what? I saw it. And I'm like, shit. I just spoiled something that I normally wouldn't know about before Chris starts talking about it. But here I am reading it from Chris beforehand. Look at me on Facebook. That is very strange that you were on Facebook. 
Um, what do you think about my post? My, I, I may have, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but I, I think I opened the floodgates for something because what I wrote is, all right, fine. Who wants oh, yeah. to start a walking dead <laughs> podcasting network with me right? or with yep. us? <laughs> there's, well, there's some interest. There's some response. And, okay. uh, you know, I think there could be something there if that is a road we want to go down. Well, we'd have to consider it cause we got three shows now. Right. Well, that's right. We can't possibly cover all three of them. And uh, we got some uh, made-for-TV movies coming out. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, there's there's lots to do here. But I mean, we could stick to just The Walking Dead and have a podcasting network. Well, we we could probably already do that. To be honest with that's you, that's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. And so with another show, and now we can just stick to TV shows and have a whole network. So yeah. Um. You know, the idea is out there. It's floating around, and who knows where things will go. All right. Pyramid schemes are illegal, right? <laughs> we can't structure a podcasting network around a pyramid screen, scheme? Scheme? Not that I know of, no. <laughs> okay, well, it's just a thought. All right. Well, keep thinking. <laughs> I like these kind of good ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, some kind of illegal operation. Maybe we could make a telephone scam of some kind slash podcasting network. Because <laughs> podcast, telephone scams are, there's money in those. Other, otherwise, people wouldn't be calling people asking for money and scaring them into thinking their tax returns are fraudulent. Oh, yes. I hate those kind of calls. Anyone? But they got to make money. Yeah. I mean, if they don't make money, why do them? I, I guess so. Yeah. Somebody's so, responding, which is We've got to think about that. There's a healthy appetite for that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Nice callback. Thanks. Uh, all right. Let's move on into our next segment. And to introduce our next, this feedback segment is Happy Jack from Victoria, BC. This Talking Dead feedback episode is brought to you by Bounty, the quicker walker picker-upper. <laughs> Not bad, nice. eh? That's very good. That was supposed to be a title read that uh, Happy Jack was going to send in, but he emailed it to me and said he just didn't get it in in time. But it was so funny, I thought I'd play it here because I really liked it, the quicker walker picker-upper. That's awesome. Very good. Thank you, Happy I Jack. I might buy Bounty just because of that. Normally I buy the uh, other stuff, but not Bounty. Well, look at that. There's a healthy appetite for different kinds of paper towel. Yeah. As long nice. as it's select a size. I don't like those full sheets that drive me crazy. Oh, the half perforated ones. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jack, for that. Um, our first email here comes from Danielle in upstate New York. And Danielle writes, Bounty is my favorite episode of the second half so far. It had everything, suspense, fear, romance, and lots of fun. My favorite scene was Connie in the cornfield and getting to experience what it's like for her. It was so terrifying. But the biggest thing about the episode I'm excited for is the possibility that they could be setting up Daryl and Connie for having some kind of connection or maybe even a relationship. OMG! I would be so excited I'd melt. It would be wonderful to see Daryl with someone, and Connie is so great, and who knows what this rescue mission slash adventure will be for them. It could definitely connect them. Romance is in the air. Well, it might be, but I think the romance train left the station without Daryl a long time ago. You think he's just asexual and that's the end of it? I think so. He's there's okay. n There's never been really any hints that anything is going on with that guy when it comes to a partner. So, yeah. uh, so I just don't know why they would start now, you know? That's true. Let's, yeah. I mean, we've, uh, if memory serves me correctly, we've talked about this topic in past episodes, years gone by, yep. uh, about Daryl just being asexual and that's okay. You well, know, that's who he is. Exactly. Just it's totally fine. Leave it like that. 
Yeah. But every time he he meets somebody new, there's somebody out there who's like, let's get Daryl and whoever hooked up and together. And uh, I don't hold that against any Danielle or anyone else for wanting to see it happen. I think Connie's awesome, too. And I'm liking Daryl more than I have in years. Uh, but I, I, I just don't think it's going to be a thing for him. He's just going to be Daryl. He's going to be by himself his entire life, uh, at least romantically. Yeah. Um, and then surround himself with all his good friends. Yeah. The common thread here from everybody that we've heard from is everybody just wants Daryl to be happy. And if he's happy being by himself, you know, great. Good for him. At least he's got a dog. Right. He's, if he's happy by himself, I'm happy. And yeah. now he has dog. So how could he not be happy? Come on. Yeah. Everybody dog. needs a good dog. Dog is great. Dog can I need a good, good dog. Hunt people. I, have a dog. I want a dog. Well, get a dog. Why not? I want a dog that looks like Chewbacca. That's what I want. I've seen those. Yeah. They anyway. exist. You should go do that. See how your cats like it. <laughs> they would not. Uh, they would not. not. They would simply, they probably would just die, have a heart attack and die. Little tiny heart attacks. Oh, that's sad. It is. But at least they're you have a old. Chewbacca they're dog. Not, uh, they're not prepared for this kind of change in life. So <laughs> we're, we're not going to do that to them. Okay. All right. So moving on. Next, we have an email from Jordan in Japan. Although I've been I've been enjoying the show a lot this season, I found myself annoyed at the character's stupid decision in this, in this episode. Daryl's decision to chase after the Whisperers to rescue Lydia if... Uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, man, I'm having trouble tonight, too. Choice A is allowing one person to return to an abusive relationship, which she chooses to do to be with her mother and her people. And choice B is to start a conflict that will in, uh, inevitably end multiple end in multiple deaths on both sides and endanger the civilization they've spent years rebuilding. To me, it seems clear which is the lesser of two evils. Right. So Daryl goes out after her when he just needs to hang back and not worry about it. He's, he's solved this problem by giving Lydia back, but then Henry comes along and screws everything up. Yeah. So he's going after Henry. He is going after Henry, but he's going to bonk him in the head and say, don't be a daft doofus. Come back and we'll put you in a cell till you're 25. Yeah. But unfortunately, before he gets to that point, he's probably going to stir up a whole hornet's nest of whisperer activity that's going to end bad for every blood, every bloody buddy, <laughs> every bloody body. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because you know, failing that, there's no plot. Like the next plot item that we have is, uh, oh, everybody's going to the fair. Yeah, right. That's all we got left if we don't stir some stir up some shit here. I sort of want to see everyone go to the fair. To be honest with you, I think the fair is going to be a pleasant experience i hope hopefully it well, doesn't turn into a giant shit show overrun by zombies but yeah know. it all depends on the fair i've been to some weird fairs i bet but, you have yeah uh you know that that sounds nice and all and for normal life yeah going to the fair sounds like a fantastic idea watch a movie at the fair i mm -hmm. think that's great bring in a prize pig and grade the pigs and go yep that's one pretty pig let's kill it and eat it for bacon you know, that sounds like a wonderful time at a fair, uh -huh. but this is a television show, right? We need some drama. You know Going what I- the fair and everybody having a good time is not drama. No. You know what I think is going to happen though? I think there's going to be a fair episode and we are going to cut back and forth between everyone having a good time at the fair and the events 
of the past that resulted in the fracturing of the communities and the scars on the backs of Michonne and uh, Daryl. So I, I think okay. we're I think we're going to have a fair episode that is used to tell that story. Okay. Sounds fair. (laughs) Sorry for the pun. I didn't mean that. That's fine. I don't know really why I think that. I just feel like you're right. They can't do a whole fair episode. The fair can't extend more than one episode. And if it was all just the fair, then something terrible has to happen. But I think they're going to give us a nice, friendly fair with the terrible stuff happening in the past and, and tell that story that way. So we'll see. Okay. I'm I'm trying to uh, I'm trying not to say the quote from uh, uh, Doctor Strangelove. I've been to uh, a picnic a rodeo or a picnic two rodeos and a world fair. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that's nowhere near the actual quote, but uh, still, I should look it up because that's a good quote. All right, well, let's move on. Our next email here is from Anna in Wales, and Anna writes. I have a real issue with the Whisperers as a concept. They make no sense. The single thing that human civilizations have in common across history is a search for shelter and food and water. As far as I understand, they are not doing this. So how are they surviving? They aren't growing crops, and they aren't finding shelter from the elements. They walk around with the walkers pointlessly wasting calories while achieving nothing. Surely their only food source cannot be worms. They need to farm. They could have eaten Luke and Alden's horses, but they left them to the walkers. It makes no sense at all. What would they do in a harsh winter? Why would you follow someone who thought this way of life was a good idea? It might save you from being killed by walkers, and there is safety in numbers, but it offers no other benefit in terms of human survival. Survival. Alpha does seem like uh, one of the show's better villains, so I will suspend my disbelief for a while, but I can't see how they can maintain the way they appear to live in the long run. Right. What do you, what do you think about that? Like, uh, are the whispers an attempt by Robert Kirkman, you know, back in the comic, even maybe at creating a villain that is just, you know, weird uh, because he's trying to outdo himself a little bit and not really thinking of the practical ramifications of a group of people living like this. Yes. I mean, short answer is absolutely. Yeah. And they don't make any sense to me. And, you know, uh, that email reminded me of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and uh, the, you know, physiological needs at the very bottom. The basic ones are uh, food, warmth, shelter, and uh, whatever. I forget what else is in there. But some of the here. important stuff. Food, water, warmth, and rest. And security and safety is next. And after that becomes intimate relationships and friends. So, you know, you have to, you have to have your basic needs satisfied first. And if all you're doing is walking around eating worms, then uh, you're probably not getting all the food that you need. Mm-hmm. And you're probably eating more dirt than you should. And uh, <laughs> you just have to drink that much more water to flush that garbage out of your system. Uh, yeah. On a very, very fundamental level, they don't make sense as human beings. Are, are... If they're not human beings, then maybe. Sure, if they're not human beings. But is there enough there to sort of derive some some pleasure out of it? Like, does it take you out of the show, like, enormously? Or, or can you sort of get past it? I don't know yet. Yeah, maybe not enough time yet. I, I don't think, uh, I think that watching the last episode, I wasn't taken out terribly far. But then talking about the episode afterwards, <laughs> uh, after that discussion, I don't think, I, I don't know if I can come back. 
Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to really, really try to suspend my disbelief in the next episode and try and uh, enjoy them. If I can get back to it, back, uh, if I can get back to it, I think that actually the next email uh, might help me get back a little bit. I think we do have some some emails here from people that might help a little bit. And the other thing I want to say just before you get to this one is that maybe there is more to the Whisperers and we just haven't got it yet on the show. They're they're releasing information slowly to us. So right. in, in six episodes from now, when we're at the end of the season, you might look back on this and go, boy, I can't believe I ever thought the Whisperers were uh, made no sense. Well... Hopefully that's true. That's that's right. I'm saying you never know. So for now, yeah. I think we have to just uh, plow through and, and keep it going, and, and maybe you'll change your mind. All right. I will try very, very hard to, to, to keep an open mind. Wonderful. All right. Next email is from Chris in Newcastle, UK. Chris writes, I think Jason is somewhat missing the point of the whisperers. They are not a threat to the hilltop and even say as much. They're simple. Uh, they're simply there for trade. Their whole uh, raison d'etre, and I was actually... Uh, tempted to say raison d'etre, uh, <laughs> just to butcher it a little further. But the whole raison d'etre is different to every other group we've seen on the show. No power struggles or empire building. Just leave us alone to live like animals and we'll return the courtesy. This is what makes them unique and interesting. It drove me slightly crazy hearing Jason keep getting stuck on their perceived ineffectiveness as an invading force when that was never their intent. Quite the opposite, in fact. So? Fair point, I'd say. They're not there to take over. They are there for one purpose, and that is to get their person back and then go about their merry way. Yes, but even there I have a problem. Because if they just wanted to live like animals uh, and they're willing to leave a baby that's crying, why would Alpha want to get her daughter back? Would If you went out into, they even, they even did this. They found a herd of, uh, antelope or elk or what have you, some kind of herd animal that were, uh, and they went out and killed a bunch of them. They, they probably killed them all, but let's say they go hunting and you see a herd of elk and you kill or capture an elk, or say you see a, a herd of wild, uh, wild horses. Uh, is that called a herd? What do you call a bunch of wild horses? Probably a herd. <laughs> I don't a know. bunch of wild horses and you take a horse mm-hmm. and you bring it back and you try and train it. Did the horses show up at your front door saying, you know what? I know you have my horse baby. I want my horse baby back. <laughs> no, of course not. But they don't have the animals. They'll just make some more horse babies, right? They are. They are. But human beings can never truly live like animals in that respect because we simply have more intellect and reason than any other yeah. creature on earth. That's true. I guess the whole point I'm making now is that even on this level, there's still a flaw in the reasoning that, I, that I'm having a hard time uh, getting past. Sure. And I can see that, but maybe this is a, a intentional character flaw with alpha. Like maybe her whole thing is we're going to live like animals. I'm going to impose this on everybody who is around me, but they took my daughter and I can't okay. let that stand. It's animal farm. I got it. I'm with it. I'm with you. All animals are equal, except that some animals are more equal than others. Right. And like the pigs. And maybe Alpha doesn't, you know, maybe that's, maybe she doesn't realize that. Maybe it's subconscious. And that's it. You know, there you go. Yep. We've, you figured it out. No, well, she's farm. called Alpha, which means she's the lead animal, right? Yeah. And some animals are more equal than others. You know, she, the, the, that lady that leaves her baby, she's not the Alpha. She's supposed to leave her baby at the nod of the Alpha. You do that, leave your baby so that I can get my baby back because I am the alpha. 
and my rules are slightly different than the rest of you schmucks. Right. I am more equal than you are. Yeah, I got it. It's Animal Farm. All right, I'm on awesome. board now. <laughs> awesome. Okay, that was easy. Took didn't take as much time as I thought it would. <laughs> uh, our next email here comes from Tej in Wisconsin. He says Jason kept commenting that he doesn't view the Whisperers as much of a threat, and I assumed he meant that as a criticism. I agree that they're not a threat, but I think that's the idea, at least for now. Instead of categorizing the Whisperers as this season's villains or bad guys, consider them as antagonists. Antagonists don't necessarily have to be evil, they're just the opposite of our protagonists. The Whisperers haven't actually done anything bad or threatening yet. When we first saw them, they were looking for Eugene and Rosita, but it's unclear why. Maybe they wanted to recruit them, sure. Maybe they actually did just want to kill them, but the Whisperers are territorial and Eugene and Rosita were in their territory. The Whisperers are creepy and weird and crazy, but that doesn't actually make them a threat. Naturally, they're going to have to be at some point because that's how storytelling works. But at this point, they're just another group of people simply doing things we're not used to. Okay. They're weird. <laughs> they're certainly weird. That's 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 the true statement. The the other thing Tej says though is that they haven't actually done anything bad yet. Um, I mean, they killed a couple of horses. They killed that's some horses. Good. They they I mean, they did leave a baby in the dirt. I think it, you could argue that's pretty bad. Um, so, you well, know. It's pretty bad, but is it, like, I mean, the uh, uh, the Trojans used to do that very thing, but it was based on the, the, the baby, right? They took a look at the baby, and if it was uh, malformed in any way, they just discarded it. Right. right. That's an actual human example of that shit going on mm-hmm. based on the society. So... Am I arguing the opposite point that I was arguing earlier and in the last episode? You're goddamn right I am. <laughs> so, because <laughs> consistency is the refuge of the weak-minded. Right. So, <laughs> okay. So, Tiege, that helps. That whole, that that really does help. So, I'm I'm coming around with Animal Farm and the Trojans. Yeah, you mix those two together. And they leave babies, and uh, they're not consistent in their equalness or outlook. And let's be honest, man. Maybe there's a greater societal point being made here in that you don't have to be afraid of those who are different than you, right? The Whispers are very different than our group at Hilltop and everywhere else. And everybody's first reaction was to freak out, assume they're evil, assume they're aggressive, which maybe isn't always the right approach. Now, to be fair, they killed Jesus. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. there was that's, a certain... Historically, that's bad, right? Historically, it's, that's yes. considered bad. Yes, it is. But there was a certain amount, and I'm not trying to justify the Whisperer's behavior here, but there was a certain amount of self-defense involved in that. They were trying to chase people away. Our people attacked them, thinking they were zombies, you know, to be fair. So... It's all a giant threes company situation, a lot of misunderstandings, and um, potentially an animal animal farm scenario on the go. Okay, so they obviously have some flaws in their uh, uh, their the way they do things, right? They're they're trying to blend into zombie culture to in order to safeguard their society, to build their society. So they're walking around dressed up like zombies. They probably should have some kind of warning system for other people that are not zombies. No, we're not zombies. We're just kind of, we're okay though. So we just want to be left alone. Like big signs, like wear a, wear a sandwich board 
on on you that has that written because I'm pretty sure zombies can't read. Right, right. And like the, can smell, they can see, they can bite, they can scratch, uh, they can fall apart, they can get angry. I think uh, they can definitely get waterlogged. We've seen them get waterlogged. Absolutely. They don't read. They don't write. So, wear a you know, sign. Wear a, somebody wear wear a sign. Paint T-shirts. You know, paint <laughs> a sign on your T-shirt saying, "We're not zombies. We're just hanging out with the zombies. Please leave us alone. Please don't kill us. Right? Yeah. Please don't kill us because we don't want conflict. No. Okay, so they need it's signs. The, it's the same reason that when you go hunting, you wear orange vests. It's still camouflage as far as the deer goes, but other hunters can see it. And generally, when you're out in the woods, don't shoot orange. It's right. a simple rule. It's a very, very because simple rule. you don't want to accidentally kill somebody who's not your intended target. So I'm saying t-shirts. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. All right. They, they can be orange. That's no problem too, right? Because I don't think zombies care about color. I don't think so. You could. Are they going to attack somebody wearing an orange shirt as opposed to somebody wearing a gray shirt? Uh, no, I think I think a nice flashy orange is an, it would look good too. All right, orange shirts. That's ho- the answer. My hockey uniform is orange. It's awesome. Is it? I've yeah. never seen it. I'll I'd show like it to see it. Show it to you later. All right. <laughs> All right. Next, we have a call from Final Harvest. Hi, Chris and Jason. Final Harvest from Germany here. Holy crap! What an episode. It has been a long time that I was so much at the edge of my seat as when I was watching this one. How I feared for the characters. At first I was sure Jerry would die, then I began to fear for Nabila instead of Jerry, later for Diane, then for the baby, then for Alden and Luke. However, there is one thing I don't quite understand. When and where did the communities cross into the Whisperer's territory? Was it Eugene and Rosita on the relay tower? And how come that hasn't happened earlier? After all, Hilltop, Alexandria, Oceanside, the Sanctuary, and the Kingdom have traveled the area for years. And if the Whisperers have no base camp at all, but just wander around, how come they claim territory at all? Any thoughts? All the best, Final Harvest. Thank you, Final Harvest. So that, I mean, that's a pretty good question. Like, how come we haven't accidentally ended up in their territory before? Or if they just showed up recently it's kind of a tough sell to say you know what this area is ours now and you crossed into our territory instead of the other way around so yeah kind of a good question it is it was eugene and rosita that initially ended up in their territory why they're so territorial and so uh aggressive towards people that accidentally walk into a territory that they know nothing about or that is even there who knows but again Signs are our friends. Put up a sign. Zombies are going to ignore it. That's no problem. But humans can read it. If you just want to be left alone, put up a sign saying, you know what? We got a group of people here and we're hanging out with zombies and we're happy. We're having a party. Uh, Come by. Uh, Don't bring weapons. And I think that's maybe what we're led to believe has actually happened. That's that the the sign on the back of that street sign that we saw, the red spray painted symbol. Was was that called? Cuxix? No, uh, Quincunx. Quincunks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think they are trying to put up signs and that's... That's their sign? I, well, we don't know, but I mean, who they else? Should have, what else? should have had that on their clothes too then, right? They what else is it going to be? Other than the back of a sign. I agree. They should paint, they should all wear shirts with that thing on it. I mean, it's a uniform and it's a very helpful symbol to keep track of what's going on. Yeah. I mean, the problem here is we have a, you know, a failure to communicate. Just communication is our, is our friend. As long as you tell people what's going on, 
really, they can avoid a lot of conflicts right from the from the get go. Totally. Yeah. yeah totally. You know, I'm going to hang out here. I want to be alone. Uh, just please leave me alone. I don't want conflict. But if you come near me, I'm going to stab you with a fork. Yeah. Right. You let somebody know that they're going to be like, whoa. Uh, I'm going to sit over here. I'm not leave going alone. anywhere near you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, with some thoughts on, uh, or similar thoughts here, we got Charlie from Raleigh and Charlie says, Alpha says you crossed into our land. There was no conflict. Don't you think it would have been good for Hilltop to discuss the borders of the Whisperer's land? An unknown group shows up, makes threats, takes back a member and then departs. But the Hilltop doesn't know how to avoid future conflict if it is created by crossing into the Whisperer's land. Also, what does the Hilltop tell the other settlements about the Whisperers? Don't go into their land and it will be okay. Where is their land? I don't know. We forgot to ask. Yeah. Failure to communicate. Absolutely. Failure to communicate. (laughs) So they've basically just had this, uh, this situation with them and no way really right now to avoid having another one completely by accident. You know what Daryl should have said when he went out to talk to them? What's that? He should have walked out through that, uh, through that fence, that wooden fence. He should have looked Alpha right in the eye and said, you know, shit, I didn't know we crossed into your territory. That's really crappy. And we got your daughter because we thought there was a conflict. Uh, you can have her back. Do you want to come in and have some, like some tea or something? You guys have been wandering around for a long time. Do you want to sit in a chair? Would that be okay? We'll have some tea. We'll talk about some shit. Uh, we'll, you know, draw some lines on a, on a map, make sure we, this doesn't happen again. Uh, we can be friends. You go out and, you know, if they can be really good allies, the whispers go and herd the friggin' herds or, you know, guide the herds away from these communities, uh, for a, a trade of, uh, simple food and water yeah, or maybe some babysitting because they probably need babysitters more than anything. When you think about it like that, actually, they could be amazing allies, right? They, they're like your, your, your zombie, um, defense team, expert zombie defense team that's out in the field managing the herds, right? Yeah. We've keeping s- them away from your society and protecting you from other bullshit that might be coming towards you. Right. Exactly. They're an early warning system for things. We've seen our groups try to do this before and, and manage the herds, right? And, it, yeah. it was definitely happening. They were naming them and they were, they were directing them certain ways and stuff like that. But it eventually kind of f- backfires on them because they're busy doing a lot of other things too. You need yeah. a zombie management team out there. The whisperers could be it. Now, to be fair, all that happened before they discovered funk. Well, sure. Now right? that they've discovered funk, they're <laughs> they're going to turn that on every time they need to kill some zombies. And they all go into slow motion, so they're yeah. even easier to kill. Yeah. That's what I would do if I was listening to funk and fighting something. I'd definitely go into slow motion. Totally. <laughs> all right. So we have a plan going forward. We could, uh, we should, we should call the characters on this fictional television show and try and broker a deal. We should. We should get something going here. Somehow cross over into the universe. As a character. Right. With the thoughts and minds that we have as spectators. Right. That's uh, that's what I want to do when I watch TV. All right. Is it your yeah. turn now? Uh, it's my turn. Next, we have an email from Gemma in South Wales. Holy crap, the Whispers put a crying baby down to, uh, to be fed to the walkers. As, as a new mother to my beautiful baby girl, I almost had a coronary. 
What I found more disturbing was when Alpha gave the nod. The mother just put the baby down nonchalantly and walked away, going against her every instinct. This must be due to some disturbing brainwashing by Alpha or extreme loyalty to the group. I think this episode just showed us uh, showed us right off the bat what makes the new threat uh, this new threat different from Negan and the governor. The Whispers will sacrifice children ruthlessly. This is something I'm certain the governor, as a father, and Negan, who loves kids, would not do. As bad as they were, they would have saved that baby in an instant. Yeah, Negan and the governor both had a thing for children, uh, I think. Um, yeah. One of them was a father, and one of them seems to just like kids. The thing, though, is, though, I did actually perceive a certain amount of distress in that mother. It didn't seem like she was really, really happy about putting that baby yeah. down. She seemed to be under a lot of stress behind that zombie mask. So um, I, obviously she did it anyways, and there must be some disturbing brainwashing that, as Gemma mentions, but uh, I don't think the mother was 100% on board, and I think that could maybe come back to play a part in a future episode maybe. Yeah, well, they got to come back and say, you know what, we want our our baby back. Uh, maybe, yeah, it, it might be a thing. I don't know. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is that I seem to recall an email some months ago from Gemma mentioning that she was expecting her new uh, child. I don't know if she knew yep. what it was at the time. Clearly, she has now had the baby. So, big congratulations to Gemma on her new arrival. Absolutely, that's wonderful. All right, moving on. Jen in California writes. Alpha and her crew just leave the baby to be eaten by zombies? How incredibly twisted and cruel this group must really be. But that being said, am I the only one who felt like it was a setup of some kind? That baby was not a newborn, and it's probably done its share of crying long before now. And then in the middle of all this, without leaving the group or trying anything substantial to quiet the baby, the mother just drops it and walks away? Don't get me wrong, I would have been tempted to boycott the show if we had to hear a baby being eaten alive. But it made me wonder if Alpha orchestrated it to show the Hilltop crew just how ruthless she can be. And that was one of my thoughts when I watched it, too. I thought it was just sort of a negotiation tactic that she was using uh, to throw Daryl and everybody off their game because it's just so shocking to see someone leave a baby for the zombies like that. I don't know, but I could see the story going that way. I don't think it was pre-planned. Because I, you know, as we mentioned, I don't think the zombies were there as a part of a plan. Uh, but I think that uh, maybe, you know, you're you're right that it was um, taken advantage of in the moment. Uh, right. You know, Alpha said, "Oh, this is an opportunity to prove to these motherfuckers that uh, we're willing to <laughs> drop a baby in the dirt to be eaten." So, uh, you know, we're we're crazy. Like it's the most extreme thing she could do at that moment. And she took the opportunity to do it yeah. because she knew the effect it would have. Yeah. 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 So maybe not pre-planned, but certainly uh, a good move on her part. It's, it's basically what convinced Daryl to give Lydia back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big part of it. I mean, having Alden and, and Luke was obviously a big part of it too, but um, you know, Daryl looked at that and was like, you brought a baby? Like, you couldn't even believe it, so. Yeah. Well, I can't believe it. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, sure, have a baby, but don't bring a baby. No. Right? Leave the like, baby. have a baby, protect the baby, take the baby somewhere safe. Don't bring the baby to your, you know, uh, threatening a 
talk with uh, a fortified position You're, and zombies all over the place. Right. Your hostage negotiations. Babies don't need to be there. They're just not interested in that kind of thing. You know, take, leave the mom and the baby in the cornfield. Right? Sure. So anyway. All right. Next, we have a, uh, an email from Chris in the UK. I suspect Alpha was never has never been thrilled with the idea of there being a baby in the mix and took this opportunity to get rid. She must have also been aware of the effect it would have on the on wa- the watching hilltoppers. Alpha's Alpha's whole approach is very much based on the shock and awe. She gets a two for one here. I don't see them coming back for the baby. Why do we assume Alpha cares about the long term future? Uh, there are plenty of cults based on the idea that there is very little time left. At least Alpha has the justification that she has started an apocalyptic cult during an actual apocalypse. Everything we've heard about her philosophy thus far suggests that she believes the world is already doomed and the idea of rebuilding and by extension repopulation is a delusion. Uh, one, a quick last point for Jason. I don't see them as a threat. I just see them as a crazy cult. Crazy cult sounds pretty dangerous to me. It might. It might be, yeah. And if Alpha's not keen on having babies around, maybe she there haven't been very many Whisperer babies, you know? It must be difficult to find time to, you know, go to Pound Town when you're wandering around with zombies all the time. And nah. you No? Know? I think that's crazy. Everybody just kind of relaxes for a little bit, even on the go, right? I guess like, so. I suppose it, it doesn't take like, long. Like, uh, what was that movie? There was a movie that was talking about uh, uh, running in a... a a dog race with a dog sled and that uh, when you're running for a long periods of time, the dog, and when a dog has to take a dump, you don't pull over the dog sled so that it can take a dump in the forest. It just hoists its back legs up onto the, the ropes uh, that, that is being pulled, runs along with its front legs and takes a dump. Really? Right there while you're, yeah, absolutely. While it's running. And then when it's done, it puts its back legs back down and then continues on. You know, right. you, if you got a dump, you got a dump. So it's the same thing with having sex. Uh, you know, you're out in the woods, you're getting friendly with, uh, you know, you, you tend to walk around with the people you like, uh, even though you don't necessarily talk and, you know, an intimate, uh, accidental brushing up against someone and you both look each other in the eyes and go, yeah, it's time. Before and you know you just it. just kind of walk off into the woods for, uh, what, 45 seconds, 50 <laughs> seconds. It's all it takes. I suppose it doesn't take that long. You know, especially if it's been a long time and you haven't had, uh, any kind of, uh, Friendly contact in a while. <laughs> sure. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see that as a, as a problem. All right. I guess you might be right. Um, but still, maybe they just haven't had a lot of babies. And, yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think they, they probably haven't had a lot of babies and there probably isn't a lot of time to like, you know, go on a date per yeah. se. But I think that, you know, the normal dating uh, structure of relationships is gone, uh, gone bye-bye. Especially if they're living like animals. Because, yeah. you know, as if there's one thing I know about animals is they don't mind having sex in front of other animals and other people. Yeah, well, generally, no. Exactly. Well, I can't think of a case where they do. So, right. no, you're right. <laughs> so, all right. I guess it's not that uh, difficult to believe that there would be reproduction happening amongst the whisperers. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, Chris, you're also right in that saying that uh, Alpha probably doesn't give a flying... A ham and cheese sandwich about the future and uh, repopulating the earth. So this, uh, you know, baby's got to be quiet because if baby's not quiet, then baby dies. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't care. I don't care. But she cares about her daughter for some reason. So whatever. I don't know. She cares about being with her daughter, but 
not the future of the group or the future of civilization in general. She she's all right. about the here and now. It seems like. I, I want my needs and wants satisfied, but uh, anything beyond that is pointless. Right, and they take precedence over your needs and wants and yeah. all that. So there you go. I know people like that. Absolutely, there's lots of them. Uh, Elizabeth in Newcastle, UK writes, I need to defend our heroes here. Unlike the baby whose dad Rick killed, they did not kidnap the Whisperer's baby, they rescued it. So the Whisperers have nothing to complain about there. But it's a nice idea that the mother could show up and basically defect to Hilltop because her baby is there and they are not frigging crazy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think that might be a thing. I think the mother might come back. Yeah. That's that's true. That's a really good idea. I like that idea that the, that it's not they come back for the baby. It's that the mother comes back and goes, you know what? You got my baby and chairs. So do you mind if I come in and hang out with my baby and sit down? Yeah. And I think that was maybe part of the point of showing just a little hint of her being upset under that mask, right? She had to do it in that moment. But if she knows that baby was rescued, as uh, Elizabeth calls it, then she might show up and, and be like, you people are better than those people. I want to be with you people and with my child. I want to, I want to sit down. I want to uh, have a safe place for my baby and eat a turnip. And maybe a one. clean glass of water, you know? Oh yeah. Nice clean glass of water. And uh, I would like to not eat worms for one day. For one friggin' day. That's right. <laughs> All right. Next we have an email from Trucker Tom from the road. Henry must die for the good of the community. He has repeatedly shown that he has no impulse control and doesn't think things through at all. From opening the locked gate of the pen holding the captured sanctuary people, which allowed them to take him down and escape, to seeing what he wanted to see in Lydia, despite all the evidence of the contrary. Then realize, releasing her twice, the first time almost getting him hammered, and the second time putting the community at risk uh, of being attacked. Um, Henry Shia himself, to be clear, uh, sorry, Henry Shia himself to be a clear and present danger to be dealt with. Maybe trucker Tom means Henry showed himself to be a clear and present danger to be dealt with. Yeah. Uh, I'm not Henry sure. showed himself to be a clear and present danger to be dealt with. Right. I, and, and to be fair, if Carol was there, he might be dealt with quickly. Well, that's her but, son. I don't know. You well, know. yeah, she's got long hair now, so, uh, she's probably calmed down quite a bit from, uh, blowing kids' heads off because they're crazy. Uh, who knows though? Who really knows? She does seem to be more level-headed right now, but we haven't seen her. She hasn't met Alpha yet. And I think that could really set her off, but there's a bunch of stuff in Trucker Tom's message here. Um, Yes, Henry has done some bad things for this community. When he opened the pen and let the sanctuary people out, that was six years ago. So he was a pretty young kid. I'm not trying to forgive his behavior, but children make mistakes and sometimes horrible ones. And he was young enough to make that kind of mistake. Uh, Now, if he's repeatedly done that sort of thing for six years and, uh, you know, with not ever learning from his mistakes, maybe you have a problem. The other thing is now he's 17 or whatever. And, you know, we're complaining that he has impulse control problems. I don't know very many 17 year old boys that don't have impulse control problems. Um, especially when it comes to a girl like this, she, he lets her out first time, almost getting hammered in nowhere near the good way. And, uh, the second time putting the community at risk of sort of being attacked. So 
Um, yes, he's done some bad things. I don't know if he needs to die for them. He needs a really good stern talking to, and as you said, maybe being locked in a cell for a few more years to get his shit together. Yeah, and in this zombie apocalypse, a 17, 18, or 19-year-old boy uh, has plenty of chance to kill themselves just in horseplay, sheer horseplay. Then, uh, uh, So it might take care of itself eventually. It, it might, and now he's gone and done something really dumb. So if he gets to the Whisperers before Daryl gets to him, I mean, he might be in trouble anyways. I was just thinking back to uh, my time as, uh, around that age, 17, 18, 19, mm-hmm. and oh my God, I should have died a few times. Like, literally died. Well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't, but, you yeah, know. I, you know, I wasn't one to let people out of their cages as uh, because I didn't have much of opportunity to see people in cages that I had the ability to let them out of. Mm-hmm. But there were cars, and there were cars that I could A, jump out of while they were moving, or B, climb on the roof of. And stand up holding onto the seatbelts out the window, and that car got up to 100 kilometers an hour. Swear to God. You should be dead. I should be dead. My, me and my buddy Steve drove a car, uh, drove his mom's Jeep off a cliff to see if we could. And we did. And then we grabbed a couple of girls that we found, met at a party, and we went back and we did it again to impress them. It did not. Well, <laughs> good. Because if it did, I don't think those are the kind of girls you want to be hanging around with. Yeah. Or, you know what, they should have better, make better choices in boys. God, the dumb decisions that I made personally at that age uh, just means that Henry probably will die because of his stupidity all by his own choices. And it's also, he's not that different from your average 17-year-old kid, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Well, poor Henry. Uh, Is it you now? No, that was me. Okay. Kate on our Facebook page writes, it seems like the zombie apocalypse world has become more Shane friendly the longer it goes on. It left me wondering, would Shane even bother going after Henry? What do you think, Jason? No, Shane wouldn't bother. I don't think so either. I think Shane would be like, he made his bed. He made his choices. He's out there. Let him figure it out. If he comes back, great. If not, I'm not risking myself to go out and bring him back. Can you imagine how many people Shane would have given the advanced class to if uh, he he was still around by now oh by now he'd oh. probably have like five or six kids he, he probably would yeah oh shane poor shane he feels like he's been gone for so long eh he has i want him back well i want I, he's dead i know that but i think shane would be uh uh a good addition to this show if we could somehow bring him back yeah i'm afraid i don't think we can so you're going to have to go watch a couple no. seasons of the punisher we started watching The Punisher. Yeah. I love The but, Punisher on Daredevil, but I well, never... Well, that's the thing, is that I think there's uh, there's some major backstory that happens on Daredevil that uh, I didn't get Oh, and, uh, for The Punisher, because it picks up right after what happens in Daredevil, and they tell you what happens, but I think I'd like to witness it as part of a story rather than just discussions by characters. Yeah, it's great. I love the Punisher. I loved him as the Punisher on Daredevil, and I never got around to watching his own show, but it is one of the ones I'd like to check out. Now it's canceled, unfortunately, but um, there's a couple seasons yeah. of the Punisher out there that might yeah. be really good. There's still lots of room for punishing in two seasons. Absolutely. You can punish so much in two seasons yeah. of TV. <laughs> anyway, John Burnsall, let's get him back on this show somehow. He could be a different character. I could get past that. No, oh, that would be weird. I don't know if I could. <laughs> All right. Maybe he'll be on the uh, the uh, the made for TV movies somehow. 
somehow. Right. That it's they're gonna it's, they have to involve time travel anyway, so they might as well bring back Shane. Yeah, if you're gonna do time travel, Shane's the guy I want to be time traveling. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Andy in Gloucestershire. I'd say Gloucestershire. Yeah. Gloucestershire. Yep. Gloucester. No. Uh, <laughs> Gloucestershire. Andy writes. I was thinking about the secret escape hatch at the hilltop. Are we really supposed to believe that in eight years, no one has ever wondered what was in there? Is it a tunnel? How did they dig it? Now that Lydia has returned to the whispers, it's a massive security risk. At the bare minimum, they need to lock that hatch or they could just sneak in at night. That's a good point. Henry took her out that way and presumably you can get back in that way. So now Lydia knows that you can get into the hilltop that way. Yeah. And apparently, well, everybody knows about that escape hatch now, right? Because you can't just have two piles of firewood and everybody just takes firewood from one pile and not the other pile. Two bins of firewood, right? Or two bins of wood. Right. One bin is a secret hatch a la Hogan's Heroes. The other bin is just, you know, a bin of wood. Mm -hmm. Nobody's noticed all these years. I'm sure everybody knows about it. It's, yeah, it's, it's the other way out the problem is it's like the back door but the problem is they're they're what they perceive as an enemy now knows it's there too so um that's bad well they were trying to protect against zombies right so that makes sense why hide it i don't know put a door in the goddamn wall for all that matters sure (laughs) exactly right just uh, so but uh, maybe it was built originally as a secret escape hatch for uh tweens uh but now (laughs) It was, since it's probably been discovered a billion times over, uh, everybody knows about it. They're just like, yeah, okay, we'll leave it. It's kind of cool. It's kind of a, a secrety castle kind of secret door thing. It uh, could be no. fun. So let's just leave it. Now it's just a vulnerability, to be honest. Yeah, now they're just going to put a lock on it and they're done. Sure. At least bungee it's something. Cord. You just bungee cord the thing closed and you're probably fine. Yeah. Better off than nothing. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. But you don't have to lock it, right? It's not like they're going to show up and, oh, crap, we don't have the key. If it's just bungeed, bungeed closed, they just won't be able to open it, and that's the end of that. Put a bell on it, so as soon as you lift it, the bell oh, yeah. rings, and then dog dog will hear it, if anybody does. Yeah, but that might detract walkers, right? Oh, ding, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a light? Sure, like, put a motion sensor flashing, light on flashing it. Flashing red lights, or maybe, a, maybe one of those light boards that have uh, text on them, because as we know, zombies can't read. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I think we've come up with plenty of ideas to secure the secret back door of the hilltop. Which they, they need. And I agree with Andy that, uh, yes, this is a definitely a security hole. They just need to do something. Okay. Cameron in Sydney, Australia writes, did you see the name of the film on the outside of the movie theater? There were a few letters missing, but I think we are led to believe that the film playing at the time of the zombie apocalypse was The Silent Army. Firstly, There is kind of an interesting correlation to our new foes, the Whisperers, who are kind of a silent army. The other interesting thing is around the timeline. There's a real movie called The Silent Army, which I think is Belgian, which was released in 2008. I was hoping you guys could discuss the timeline to see if this seems plausible, that this small rural cinema in the U.S. was showing this foreign film at the outbreak of the zombie apocalypse, according to The Walking Dead's timeline. Short conversation. No. (laughs) <laughs> well, I did a little more research and okay, good. the Silent Army is indeed a movie from 2008, although I think it's Dutch, not Belgian, as uh, Cameron mentioned. Um, and second of all, yes, I think since the zombie apocalypse started in 2010, I don't see why a small rural cinema 
in the U.S. wouldn't have been showing this film at the time. So, But it's Dutch. Well, who cares? Foreign films play in other countries. Single theater uh, establishments? There's a theater near where I grew up. That in a city. In Toronto, yes. Yeah, Canada's largest city. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just let me finish. There's a theater okay, yeah, there yeah. that played the same movie for a single theater that played the same movie for eight years. What movie? The Gods Must Be Crazy. Do you remember that movie? Oh, that's such a good movie, though. I know. It's a great movie. And I think people just kept going to it. It was like, you want to see The Gods Must Be Crazy? <sighs> you can always go see it in Toronto. I want to go back in time and go see it at that theater. Which theater was that? Was that a one on Eglinton? No, it was on Young Street. It's it's still there, but it's now a private event theater. Oh, I know that place. Yeah, it's north of Eglinton, south of uh, Lawrence. I walk by it all the time. We yes. were considering uh, using that place for our wedding reception. Yes, the Capitol Theater, it's called, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it played the same movie for eight years when I was growing up. and I would like that. I, I would like to see that. I saw the movie there at least three times over that eight-year period. Um, all I'm trying to say is... Movie theaters that are independently owned like that can play whatever they want. So, sure, this is a big city in Toronto, and this is a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. Um, but they're not that far from Washington, don't forget. So there's a lot of population around there. And if this theater, you know, had viewers and everyone joined the club and you could go see a movie for two ninety nine if you were part of the, the uh, theater club, they show this movie. Why not? Show, show a foreign film. So I think it's completely okay. plausible, and um, there's nothing more to it than that because we don't even know for sure that the movie was called The Silent Army. <laughs> right. Okay. So I I disagree with you because there's a big difference between a uh, a small theater in a big city showing a cult classic and a small theater in a small town showing a an obscure foreign film. I guess, but why can't it? It's within the realm of possibility. It is within the realm of possibility. It is not in the realm of probability. I don't think I'm saying it is. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it works with the timeline. <laughs> yeah, it's a little forced. Ah, well, whatever. Um, the fact that the silent army kind of is like what the whisperers are, maybe that's all they were going for. Yeah, absolutely was. Maybe they were just, uh, maybe it was, it coincidentally was also named the silent army, but was a small independent film by... Uh, made by the son of the owner of the theater, and they just happened to be showing it at that time. One and only screening for Jimmy and his 12 friends that uh, were part of this movie that they made called The Silent Army. Uh, and then the zombie apocalypse happened, and they all went, oh, crap, screw that. Because maybe Jimmy and all his friends were the people inside the theater at the time. There were there are all the zombies that are in there right now. Because I assume they were there to see the movie. Well, I guess so, yeah. I mean, people probably locked that door and ran away. So those were the zombies that were there watching the movie when the, the apocalypse broke out. And a bunch poured out uh, while they were playing funk music before they even went in. Mm -hmm. So that movie theater was pretty packed. Yeah, it was. A lot of people. For a foreign film? Pop I probably, I see, I'm leaning towards Jimmy. Popular movie, a, man. In a minute film. I, I think it had a big draw. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, who knows? We will never know. All right. Next, we have uh, an email from Charlie in Massachusetts. Listen, Jerry was wearing a red shirt, you idiots. And P.S. I really don't think you're idiots at all, but I'm just following your prescribed format for comments. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I recognized that, and I did not take offense. No, no, no. I mean, you you basically mandated it some at some point in the past that uh, yeah. that's how if you really want someone to learn something, that's how you frame the fact with starting with listen and ending with you idiot. Yeah, that's because the band I was in at the time received actual fan mail via email that started with the word listen. <laughs> and ended with you idiots. It did not end with you idiots. Oh. Uh, that came in a different one. But uh, I think when you're sending fan mail to somebody, you shouldn't start with the word listen. <laughs> listen. It just implies <laughs> such an I know better than you attitude. <laughs> I know. I know. It was so awesome. Funny. I wish I could find that. But listen, I didn't keep that email. Jerry was not wearing a red shirt and he's still alive. So I wouldn't call him a red shirt. He was wearing his red royal regalia at the beginning of the episode during the flashback it's this sort of red kind of vesty overcoat looking thing not vest uh -huh. but more of an overcoat and it's awesome but i think he's had it for some time so i wouldn't really call it a red shirt his actual t-shirts were all darker colors so yeah but it was kind of red but uh we kind of we've kind of moved past that trope i mean for crying out loud picard wore red for a long time yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, he's Picard. And he, he rarely died. <laughs> yes. Hardly ever, actually. <laughs> hardly ever, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, thank you, Charlie, for pointing that out. I still think Jerry is a little bit at risk this season, and I don't want to see him to go. Um, I'll be sad if he does. We have a call from Lee. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Lee in St. Catharines, and... I am so looking forward to the Carol versus Alpha, the way they're setting this up. The biggest badass in the entire show is Carol, hands down. She never met the governor. I wonder why that was. Like, she avoided the fight. She was missing for that at the very end of it. Um, she also never met Negan, right? She was always on the outskirts. Never dealt with him one-on-one -on -one because she is just, she's an assassin. She's nuts. Remember when the wolves came and she dressed up like the wolves? Now she's going to dress up like a whisper, get in there, and she is going to obliterate them. I'm so looking forward to that. <laughs> Mr. Lee is <laughs> so looking forward to that. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I people have latched onto this idea that Carol is going to get involved in this uh, disagreement with the whisperers. And now that her son is basically gone to, to join them or do something, I think it's virtually guaranteed that Carol is going to be heavily involved in whatever comes as this yeah. conflict. And I agree. I think it's going to be awesome because Carol, it seems like she's been living the life lately. Yes, there are some hardships at, at Kingdom, um, but she seems very happy with Ezekiel. They get along really well. And this is going to be the point where she, you know, turns on the badass again. This is so, okay. So there's a couple of things to unpack here as well. Uh, so yes, I absolutely agree that uh, Carol has been uh, living the long haired good life uh, for a while and she's, you know, let her hair down per se. <laughs> yes. So, and we definitely do have uh, an impending conflict coming with Carol uh, between her and Alpha because they talk about her, uh, you know, uh, uh, Henry talked about her to Lydia, mm -hmm. right? But his mom. So there's definitely going to be something there. There's also a parallel between Alpha losing her daughter to uh, to the hilltop and had to go and get her back. And now Carol loses her son to the Whispers and she's going to go get him back. Mm -hmm. But 
she's not going to go back. She's not going to try and get him back the same way the Whispers does, does did because she's Carol. And there's a, probably, you're absolutely right, Lee, that there probably is a very good reason why she wasn't with uh, the main con- the last conflict with the governor, and she never directly met Negan because if she had come within, uh, let's say, rifle range of either of those people, they would be dead. She would have just she's too big of a too big of a threat to bring anywhere near a main enemy uh, in this show because she just would destroy them. That would be the end of it, and there would be no more conflict. I mean, she so, saved everybody at Terminus. Remember, she blew up the gas thing and and. Busted them out of there. Yeah, she's a ninja. She's basically a ninja ninja assassin. She but is not not a Japanese ninja. It's like a ninja from a different country, because Japanese. I've told you this theory before, right? Like every every country, uh, every society has ninjas, but uh, the Japanese ones are the worst because we know about them. Oh, I see. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. So it's it's the ones you don't know about that are that are the real threat. Mm-hmm. So you know the Venezuelan ninjas. You've never heard of those guys, have you? No. They must be really so scary. They're they're really scary. So yeah, she's not like a Japanese ninja. She's like a different kind of ninja, maybe Venezuelan. But uh, yeah, she's gonna she's gonna come into conflict with uh, with Alpha, and it's gonna be epic. I think so. I think so. I think that's obviously what they're setting up here. I'm sure it won't play out quite as simple as I've got it in my mind. But um, you're right. She's gonna go after Henry, and I think a direct conflict between alpha and carol will be amazing to watch yeah. uh, i think both of them will survive the uh the battle if you can call it that um but either way it's gonna be awesome yeah so another couple of things is that uh, one uh the mistake that the whisperer is gonna uh, are gonna make in this uh, conflict upcoming conflict is they're gonna bring an alpha to a carol fight and that's gonna be not a good idea Right. First of all, the second one is that uh, Carol doesn't have a machine gun anymore. She doesn't have a an assault rifle. She has her bow. And I was going to bring this up as a nitpicky item in the last uh, uh, while we were doing the recap. But when she went into the theater, she had that bow drawn. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever played a video game where you had to draw a bow, but after a few seconds, the video game arms start shaking because it's hard to maintain a drawn bow for any length of time. She would had at least five or six seconds where she was had that draw that bow drawn walking around, which means she does that on a regular basis. I was going to call that out as a nitpick, but now I'm going to say that it's uh, it's actually Carol uh, being uh, super, 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 super strong and can do that. I think you might be onto something. She's had time to practice. <laughs> yeah. So she's been, uh, yeah, she's probably got, uh, yeah, Carol's carved out of wood, essentially. She is a ninja. Yeah. Venezuelan ninja. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right. Anything else? No, that was it. All right. Cool. Um, oh, that's me now. Now we have an email from Jill in Chicago. That's right. Hair growth. This is an important topic. Hair growth is dependent on many factors, including diet. However, I know that in one month or 28 days, I need to get my roots covered as I have about an inch of growth. This calculates to just under a millimeter per day if I've done my math correctly. Right. So I actually had to change a word here in Jill's email because I think in her original email, she said, I I have about an inch of growth in a month. This calculates to just under an inch per day or something like that. So I think there was a typo in her or an autocorrect problem in her message. So I did a little bit of math and I think it does sort of work out to a a little under a millimeter per day. And then you get 
almost an inch in a month. That still feels like very quick hair grow to me. It is. And I think there's probably, uh, I'm just speculating wildly here, but I think that, uh, first of all, gray hair grows faster than normal hair. I've just personally known that, noticed well, that. Um, okay. Oh, fair enough. I don't know why. I've, I don't know why, but my gray hair tends to grow a hell of a lot faster than the regular uh, non-gray hair, which, you know, Granted, there's fewer and fewer of those every day. What are you trying to say so, about Jill? <laughs> nothing. Just well, that's what she's talking about. She's talking about her roots, right? I know. Or maybe that... okay. Okay, you're right. You're right. No, she said nothing about gray hair. You're absolutely right. That's an assumption on my part that is absolutely incorrect. She might have dyed blue hair, and the brown hair comes out, and uh, she needs to redye it blue. I've seen a picture of Jill. Um, she is a voice actress in Chicago, which is a is a rather public. Um, profession, so I don't mind saying that. Jill, I really hope that's okay. Um, she also included her URL in her email, so I, I checked it out. Um, anyway, she does not have dyed blue hair. Uh, but regardless... Um, I brought my own bullshit to this thought, uh, so I apologize for that. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I just um, I just feel like a, a uh, inch per month is, is fast. Well, some people's hair grows faster than others, right? Totally. And she even says there's, it, it depends on many factors, including diet. So you can probably eat like speed growth food and you'll grow hair really fast. Well, what kind of, yeah. I'd, well, I can speculate later on what kind of food makes your hair grow faster. <laughs> yes, I suppose you could. Um, my beard grows incredibly fast, but my head hair grows pretty slow. Right. Which I'm Well, your with. fingernails grow faster than your uh, toenails. That's true. And your middle finger... Uh, nail grows faster than the rest of your, that's, that's the one. Yeah. Chris, give me the finger on our Skype call. Uh, your middle finger grows fast. The nail grows faster than the rest of your fingers. Okay. Uh, so yeah, there's all kinds of weird factors. Anyways, I didn't mean, mean actually all your skin flows. I have a scar on my finger that was like an inch higher on my finger when I cut myself, but now the scar is now closer to my knuckle. So your whole skin flows towards all your extremities. That's weird, man. I mean, I guess people droop over age, over time. That's not drooping. It's that's that's how your fingernails grow, right? It's all the dead skin. It all flows towards the stuff that grows. Your fingernails, your hair. Uh, same with the. I have a blue dot on my head where I stabbed myself in the head with a pencil in grade nine, and uh, it used to be right in the middle of my temple. Now it's in my hairline. <laughs> so you tattooed your the side of your head, and it's moved right. above your ear. That's right. I was around that uh, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Oh, I was in grade nine. Who knows how old I was, but I was definitely trying to impress a girl. And yeah. I stabbed myself in the head with a freshly sharpened pencil. And there's a permanent blue mark in my noggin because of it. Cool. Anyways, I didn't mean to derail whatever you were saying there about, about hair growth, but. Uh... Yeah, no, my, uh, I apologize for bringing my own shit to this, uh, <laughs> to this, but, and my assumptions. All right. And, well, uh, I'm wrong. I just personally, you know, to, to just reiterate <laughs> my mistake, personally, my gray hair grows faster than the rest of my non-gray hair. And that's all I can say about that. Fair enough. And I would like to apologize to Jill if it was inappropriate for me to talk about her career. Anyways, let's move on and pretend all that never happened. Yeah, okay. One last email here, and uh, it just has to do with a more some more general thoughts about Michonne leaving. Uh, real quick, Becca in Akron, Ohio writes, I had a theory similar to what another listener said recently. I could see Michonne dying or being removed from Alexandria, and Judith ends up taking over. Being a child, she'll need an advisor. And in comes Negan. But Negan 
would uh but Negan would help her rule in a Rick would Negan help her rule in a Rick kind of way? You best believe if he acts up, Judith will shut that shit down. No exceptions. There you go. Uh there's no way that's gonna happen, but it's a nice thought. It is. I don't think it's totally crazy, actually. I mean, Negan's been there for six years. He appears to be somewhat reformed. Um, at, or at the very least, he's now realized that what he was looking for no longer exists in the world. And he went back to his cell. If Judith becomes like the child queen of Alexandria, her advisor could be Negan. My problem is not with Negan advising. My problem with is with... Uh... Judith becoming leader. Mm. That kind of thing happens with hereditary, hereditarical, heredit, hereditary titles. Uh-huh. So if you're, you know, the, you know, the king of a country or something, and uh, your title is passed down to your your children, then this kind of thing can happen. Uh, somebody, uh, your parents pass away, and you're only eight or nine years old, and somebody advises you until you're of age that you can. Uh, do things yourself. This kind of thing happens. Right. Right. Yeah. But Alexandria is not heretical, heretically passed. The leadership is not heretically passed uh, yet. But so I think right now leadership is based entirely on merit and not on lineage. So I sure. have very few. Uh, I don't think that Judith will become a child leader. I think that when she grows up, she'll absolutely be uh be, have, she's leadership material and she'll definitely be leading her own organization mm-hmm. of some kind, mm-hmm. but uh, not as a 12 year old. And and there's probably plenty of other people at Alexandria that can step up into that role before. <laughs> Who's left? Wow. Well, anybody left? There's got to be some other people living there. No, but or... th- really, what characters do we have left at uh, Alexandria that we care about? Tobin, right? Is he still alive? I think Tobin's <laughs> alive. I don't know. <laughs> I think he is. Or is Tobin dead? Did Tobin die? Shit. I think Tobin died. <laughs> uh, okay, well, so this maybe proves my point. Yeah, it, it may be. I can't Regardless think of, of whether he's alive or not. I, uh, <laughs> we've got Michonne and Judas, and I can't think of another character <laughs> that's alive. It's true. Uh, Alexandria seems like the least sort of uh, interesting of all the communities now, at least from a characters well, we care about perspective. Yeah. Maybe maybe if Heath comes back. Yeah, nope, Tobin's dead. Remember Tobin died. I had yeah, okay. I had to look it up, but Tobin um he died when zombies came into the infirmary that time, remember? Yep. <laughs> During the Savior's attack on Hilltop. He's Yeah, he that's right. That's right. He's di- he he's he died during that attack. Man, Feels like there's that doctor guy, or is he? He's at Hilltop now. The one Carl saved, Sadiq. He's Sadiq. he's at Hilltop. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, we got nothing. Alexandria is toast. Like that thing is just garbage now. You might as well break it down for parts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Aaron lives at Hilltop, or maybe Aaron. Aaron, maybe Aaron is the guy that would go back to Alexandria and lead. Right? Well, we better have a compelling reason to go back to Alexandria. Like even the storyline hasn't gone back to Alexandria, really. I mean, we've had some Michonne interaction, but all she did was leave. We had some Negan interaction, but all he did was leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, Judith interaction, she spent half the time in, Al- in Alexandria and half the time shooting at Negan, not in Alexandria. 
Yeah. So no, uh, the writing staff sure doesn't care about Alexandria right now. I am looking at the Walking Dead wiki right now, a list of their characters. And the only characters that they associate with Alexandria that are currently still alive are Aaron, Enid, but she obviously doesn't live there. Barbara. Barbara's like a really tertiary character we've yeah, barely yeah, ever seen. Yeah. Scott. We've seen Scott once in a while, and occasionally he has a line. Mrs. Robinson, who I don't even know who that is. Nora. Remember Nora, who they introduced in the first half of this season? Yep. She was an advisor to Michonne, but she's been in one episode. And RJ. RJ is, of course, Rick Jr. And then there's Heath, whose status is unknown. He's not really anywhere. Everybody else associated with Alexandria is dead. Well, what about Michonne? Mich yeah, you said Michonne. Uh, yeah, you Michonne. Um, that's right. Michonne... Um, the, I mean, yes, she lived there. I guess there's also Father Gabe. We haven't seen oh, him. Oh, yeah, there's that guy. And, uh... I mean, uh, Eugene and Rosita, they don't... Oh, Eugene and Rosita. Do they count? I don't know. Well, Maybe. they would count. They do live there. I mean, they they were based out of there, right? Because they went to do their thing, and when they crossed into the territory, uh, they were leaving Alexandria. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. But they went right to the hilltop afterwards, so... yeah. <laughs> so anyways the point is there's not many and we have no idea really what's going on at at alexandria right now so yeah nothing it's kind of interesting yeah uh okay that's gonna do it thank you so much everyone for writing in with all your comments and feedback and questions we will return next week when we are covering the next episode of the walking dead and as usual i forgot to look up the title of next week's episode so uh i'm gonna try to do that while i talk here well, you talk, I'll type. I got it. It's called Guardians. <laughs> Guardians, that's good. Yeah. So if you'd like to do a title read, Guardians is the title. Record that, send it in to us, and I'll play as many as we can before we do the recap next week. In the meantime, though, you can also just send in more feedback, more comments, more questions, whatever you have. You can do that by visiting our website, TalkingDeadPodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail at the top. You can also find all of our episodes that we've ever done there. So if you want to go back and re-listen, everything is there on the website. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And of course, all your email can be sent to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Um, that was fun. I always look forward to these feedback episodes. It's great to hear everybody's thoughts and feelings about the shows that's why we started doing them so by all means keep sending them in we'll be back next week until then thanks for tuning in everyone my name is chris my name is jason thanks for listening 420